From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Here we are to talk about the shadow, the dark parts of our psyche that we do not want to confront and integrate because it's a terrifying encounter. We have to kill off parts of ourself, ourselves so that the other parts can thrive. So I want to get into that more deeply today, but I'm excited because the goal of this podcast is to walk through that that process of how one gets to complete bitterness and resentment. And we see this in the media today. We see these terrible, terrible atrocities being committed. And we go, well, how could one do that? And well, this podcast, we are going to walk through that process, how one gets to that dark place. Because I was in a dark place before my anxiety recovery. I was shaking my fist at the world saying, well, why am I dealt this bad hand? Why am I not gaining the success of the person I see on Facebook or Instagram? And I was waiting around for things to come my way and work out for me, but nothing was coming. And so I felt over time, my bitterness, my anger increase. And then I would bring the people around me down onto my level. And that is not a good place to be because you become an emotional vampire. You're sucking out the emotional uh, energy of all those people around you. You become a burden. You become a weight. And and then the people around you start to leave and avoid you. And then you shake your fist even more and you say, well, why is nothing working out for me? Why is nothing working out for me? So to add more context to the shadow, which was coined by clinical psychologist Carl Jung, he described the shadow as the dark parts of our psyche that we do not want to confront and contend with and integrate. And we all have roots of our psyche that lead down into hell. We all do. I think it was... Scholznitzen, who said, the line between good and evil runs down the middle of every human heart. And so let's describe this evil, how one gets to that evil, that that Darth Vader, that uh, Voldemort, uh, you know what I mean. So the best way to get into this process is to talk about the Cain and Abel story. This is in the Bible. This is in Genesis. Uh, one of my favorite stories of all time because I'm so fascinated fascinated about the shadow. Uh, partly because I used to do things that I would 
regret. I would be ashamed of. I would look in the mirror and go, why did I say that? Where did that come from? Why did I get angry? And I had no control over my anger. And um, so there was a lot of me that I had to confront and burn away in order for things to get better. And so this leads me into the Cain and Abel story. Cain is very interesting because he's a farmer. He's a tiller of the earth. He is making his sacrifices up to God. And then we have his brother, Abel, the second born. And then Abel, he is a shepherd. He is the uh, the leader of his flock of animals. He's the herder. And he is making his own sacrifices. And so his, they're both making their sacrifices. And we all make our sacrifices every day. If you're in university, you're making the sacrifice of, 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 of you're putting, you're, you're making the university of taught value. And so you're sacrificing maybe the, your hedonism and, and the impulsivities, uh, uh, out, out of, of your existence, right? So you're making sacrifices every day. You're sacrificing Netflix for the gym or you're sacrificing weed for meditation or whatever it is. You're sacrificing sugar for, uh, for you know, just to feel good tomorrow. So we're making sacrifices right now so that the future you could thrive and be better. And that's what this story represents Cain he's making sacrifices but they are of not significant value they're not top quality and God is not favoring him and we've all encountered that in our lives we make a sacrifice and we go well that didn't work out the way I thought it would it didn't meet expectations I'm not as successful as Tom on Facebook or Instagram right it's like why am I not getting that success and then Abel, he's making these great sacrifices. God is favoring him. He's sacrificing his prized meat up to the heavens. And so God is favoring him. And, you know, when we encounter those people in our day-to-day, we can go, well, man, you know, my life stinks. God, this sucks. Uh, Why am I not getting to where he is or she is? And, man you can walk down a bad path or you can look to those people who are succeeding and go, well, what am I not doing that they are doing? Am I not working as hard to get that success or to feel like they feel? And that is very difficult to confront because you have to then confront your own inadequacies But what does Cain do? He doesn't go down that route. Cain, he he kind of backs into a corner, right? And he kind of shakes his fist at Abel. And he goes, well, damn Abel. Curse this guy. And he starts to entertain the darkness that is playing out in his mind. There's a great line in this story. God says to Cain, because at this point, Cain was very wroth 
and his count his countenance fell which means his face fell he fell into that that darkness right and that entertainment of of negativity and so god says if thou dost well shalt thou not be accepted and if thou dost not well sin lieth at the door and until thee shall be his desire and thou shalt rule and so what that means is desire crept up to cain's door and cain invited it in to let it have its way with him he danced with this bitterness and resentfulment this this resentment that is now seeping into his mind and you dance with that long enough you can wind up in very very dark places and Cain does and in the end he rises up and he slays Abel kills him and so let's look into the picture of Dorian Gray because I love this book I read it um years ago but then I revisited it because it's very very meaningful and I wanted to look more into the ego and the picture of Dorian Gray is a great example of that so Dorian Gray he is this wealthy kid he grows up in this mansion he has all this wealth that was left to him by his family his mom and dad passed away they were actually I think his dad was killed and his mom passed away after that so he grew up without the archetypal father and mother right so right away you go man that's rough like how do you who are you modeling after who are your role models and this is interesting because in the book his role model is this character called Lord Henry now Lord Henry he is a very interesting character because his theories his theories are seductive and it's poisonous it's like scar in the lion king right he's lurking in the shadows whispering these poisonous ideologies to to the king right but more so if you look to lord of the rings right we see this oh atrocious character uh Grimus Wormtongue, I believe his name is. He's whispering these poisonous ideologies to the king. And you see the king. I think it's King Theoden. He's just in this coma-like, trance-like, dead state. And so, man, if you have a model like that whispering poisonous words to you, you can wind up like King Theoden, just being a total dead, dead-souled zombie. So, yes, this is Dorian Gray's role model, this character. And Lord Henry, he lives this hedonistic lifestyle, and it's static, too. He just stays the same throughout this book. Dorian Gray... Uh, changes in some ways but um, the other characters change in some ways but you see Lord Henry he just stays the same so that's very interesting too um so 
Lord Henry, he, he attends parties, he goes to the theater often, and he just plays the same record of poisonous words over and over and over again. I just, I love that about the book because we see these people in our lives all the time. And so he tells Dorian Gray that beauty is the greatest thing. Beauty is worth everything. If you don't have beauty, what do you have? What do you have? And so Dorian is perplexed, but also he takes, he takes it in. He, you, at one point, I think Oscar Wilde wrote that Dorian was just standing there in this trance-like state after Lord Henry tells it to him, and it really impacts Dorian. And so after that, Basil, this uh, this painter, he paints this beautiful, magnificent portrait of Dorian Gray. And Dorian, he sees this picture, this painting, and he falls in love with his own self-image. The picture is just so beautiful. And with the words of Lord Henry echoing in his mind, he just, he he's so attached to this painting. Everybody who sees the painting around him is, is going, this is the best work yet. This is magnificent perfection at its finest. And so Dorian, he's, he's like, man, this is amazing. It's beauty is of top value to me. And so Dorian is ego driven. That's a big thing to understand. Being fully engulfed in the ego means to be fully identified with the image of oneself, right? The image of oneself. And so if you are ego driven, then any stain on that image will send you into anxiety, right? And a tyrant, this is really interesting. So a tyrant is someone who seeks perfection. Everything has to meet expectations. Everything has to be perfect. There is no room for error. And so Dorian Gray, he notices a change in the painting one day. He, he looks at it and goes, oh my God, something changed. And so there's a defect now in the painting. And it is slightly deformed. I think it's in his lips area or his mouth. And this shocks him. He's appalled he's it flattens him and 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 so because of the defect he realizes that it's something that he actually did to his partner Sybil Vane he told her that he didn't want to see her again because her performance in this play was appalling and and he got angry at her and he felt ashamed about what happened and he realized that he felt ashamed of it when he encountered the defect in the painting because then he goes oh this painting is a reflection of my soul of my being so if i if i live a perfect life then no more defects can occur um i have to make things right with sybil vane and i have to live uh, a very moral existence without deviating from the path and so he, he, he comes to realize that. And so the, the portrait resembles 
his own soul. It's, a, it's, it's his ego. It's a direct reflection of him. But what does Dorian Gray do next? This is so interesting. Ashamed and disgusted by this defect, he, he hides this image and hides this portrait from the world and from himself. He locks it in a room. He puts a sheet over it. And what's interesting about this part of the story is that you need to integrate your underdeveloped parts, your defects. You need to understand them so that you can burn them away and move forward. Because when you confront your defects, you have to learn how to improve on them and to act differently from those defects so that life could, for you, become better in in that way, right? And we see this in the Buddha story. Buddha first encounters the harsh realities of existence when he leaves his bubble, right? Like Dorian Gray, Buddha lives in this rich, perfect castle and he ventures out of this unconsciousness well he doesn't he doesn't leave unconsciousness but he ventures out of the castle and encounters an old man he encounters the reality of existence and so from encountering this harsh reality it shocks him to his core and he retreats back into the castle what unconsciousness does for you is to keep you in desire it keeps you in this numbing state where you avoid emotions you repress the realities of existence and we see with buddha that when he retreats back into the castle he's no longer the same unconscious person because now that he encountered the snake the the harsh reality of existence, it shocks him. And he can't let it go because the thing that shocks you and the thing that you encounter, the tragedy, that sticks with you because your unconscious goes, well, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? Because you don't know how to deal with it, it keeps gnawing at you. And so what Buddha does is, well, you can listen to the full story a few episodes back. I think it's two episodes back. I recommend that episode. But what Buddha does is that he ventures out again, eventually, and he encounters uh, a sick man. And this shocks him. He's like, what is this? Is, is, is this going to happen to me? And so, yeah, it's going to happen to him. And then he runs back fearful. And what Buddha does differently than Dorian Gray is that he... he he looks towards this suffering as something that needs to be explored and his curiosity takes him into that domain. And Dorian Gray, we see that he he looks away from this self-portrait, his, his self and the suffering and the reality of existence that he will wither away, his beauty will fade, the paint, the The image of him can deform and lose that perfection and this shocks him, but he he locks it away. He represses it, right? And he falls into this hedonistic lifestyle. His desires are now of top priority. He's going to the theater. He's, he's, He's 
being a materialistic, unconscious um, party animal. And he ignores responsibility and he falls deeper, deeper into unconsciousness. And the thing you hide away from, that grows in size. Yeah, you can ignore it. You can drink as much alcohol as you want. You can uh, smoke as much weed as you want. But as soon as the alcohol starts to wear off, as soon as you put the converter down and you lie your head on the pillow, what happens? The thing that has been locked away in your unconscious mind will come up. It will seep its way back in because your body will do what it must to notify you that there are things from your past that you need to confront and integrate and contend with. And there is a great line in the book. This is so beautiful. Out of the black cave of time, terrible and swathed in scarlet, rose the image of his sin. So that's so beautiful. Out of the black cave of time, out of his unconsciousness, his past, terrible, this terrible thing swayed in scarlet. It rose, rose the image of his sin. And the sin, as we'll get to later on, is something, you know, very terrible. He does something very terrible. So like Cain, Dorian, he entertains his bitterness. He is angry. He starts to hate being itself and especially the creator of his painting, Basil. So out of complete anger, impulsivity, he kills He kills Basil. Why would you make this picture of me and, and um, it just ruined my life? You know, he's just shaking his fist at somebody else. He, did, he never looked towards his own self and his own sacrifices and his own routines and his actions. Buddha's story is about how to break away from that unconsciousness, that unconscious, naive, impulsive, comfortable bubble, and face suffering. Face the suffering of existence forthrightly and transcend that suffering. And so the hallmark of psychotherapy is confront voluntarily the things that you fear and you will develop when you encounter those things because you will discover parts of yourself that you did not know existed. The fear is part of the shadow side of your psyche. So you confront that and then you go, huh, I can deal with this. It's terrible. It's uncomfortable. This is the most terrifying thing I I ever did in my life. This is Mount Everest for me. But in the end, what could be better and greater in existence than that to transcend that, that suffering? And in the Dorian Gray story, like Cain... This, this is what happens when you stay ego-driven and you remain in your unconscious state. When the reality of life 
slithers in and you are unconscious, well, it will take a bite of you. And when it does, it awakens you. You go, oh my God, that that's, I gotta, how do I deal with that? How do I deal with that? And, and no joke, how do you? But if you go back into unconsciousness like Dorian Gray, the snake will come again eventually. There is no outrunning that thing, but it will slither its way back in and lo and behold, it could take a bigger bite. And then a part of you goes, well, I could have avoided this if I was paying attention. If I was paying attention. You know, Cain, we see, he's not paying attention to Abel. He's entertaining his own, his own story in his mind. He's not saying, well, I, I, I could do better. I am wrong. What I need to learn. I need to learn. That's the growth mindset. But like Dorian, Cain, after a long period of time entertaining the darkness, he does something terrible. And so to go back to that quote from the book, out of the black cave of time, terrible and swathed in scarlet, rose the image of his sin. It rose up and it shocks him even more because even though years passed at this point, Dorian confronts this part of him and it it, sho- it shocks him. He can't outrun this pain. We see in the book, he, he continues to suffer. He's, he's trying to outrun this pain. But no, he can't. He can't outrun this. And we all have an opportunity to stay awake. We have an opportunity to, when we get bitten, to course correct and look to our own inadequacies. And for me, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I would, who knows where I would be. Um, And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. I hope this one really resonated with you as it did for me when I was planning this one because um, I'm really passionate about the shadow. Uh, I came, like I've said like a dozen times in this episode, I came from extreme distress and I know what it's like to live in that anger and to shake your fist up to the heavens but I am here to tell you that you can change that things need to change because you can't outrun this for the rest of your life and this story is a great example of that I highly recommend that you listen to the Buddha story. I think it's episode one. I mean, sorry, it's 219. Could be 219. Listen to that. And lastly, rise above anxiety. Thank you for being here. Please check out the YouTube channel because I post the podcast there. I post videos weekly. I have great meditations I have a great reframing meditation to help you reframe difficult emotional memories from your past. Highly recommend that. And lastly, like I said, rise above anxiety. I will see you next time. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at 
on bugxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.